Thank you, young people. Amen. Aren't you proud of the young people of the church? Yes. Yeah, and they, they don't just sing it, they live it too. And we thank God for them. Would you open your Bible, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we've been blessed so very much this morning in the service. And we've had a few extra little goodies in there. Um, so I don't have quite as much time as I usually have to preach. But I do... I do ask for your patience for the next little while as we carefully go through this portion of Scripture because it has for us, it holds for us a secret, a key that will help us to know what is God's will for each and every one of us in this matter of faith promise and missions and what God would have us to do. And so it's very important that we listen very carefully to the, the Scriptures. In a building such as this, we, in order to be able to put up the flags and banners and, and things, we need ladders. No one, no one is able just to stand and hang these things by themselves. They need ladders. They need the help of ladders. If you wanted to get up on your roof, you probably would need a ladder of some sort. Unless you've got a second story window you can climb out of, maybe. But then you'd need the stairs to get up to that second story too, would you? Well, the scriptures here are going to give us five steps. Something like the ladder. Five steps of a ladder and how we can get up a little bit closer to God to hear his still small voice so that we can know what God would have us to do. Yes, it's 100% possible for every single one of us here to know what God wants us to do in this matter of, of faith promise. Now our conference here started last Wednesday and every one of us needs this information from God. Lord, what wouldst thou have me to do? So how are we going to know? Well, this is where we look to God in prayer and we sense his leading. Today is the day when we would like to be able to fill out our little faith promise cards and hand them in. Some of you here today, I'm sure, are all set and ready. Some of you are not ready, but you want to be ready. I don't want you to hand in a card before you're ready. So it may be tonight that you're ready. It may be in another week. But that's all right. But the steps I'm going to share with you are five very practical prayers. How about that? Five practical prayers you can make. Now, normally, when I preach on Sunday morning and often on Sunday evening, I'll hold at the end what we call an invitation. And that's just simply a, a very precious time where folks can come forward, get on their knees and talk to God. We sort of lovingly call the front area here the altar and come to the altar. And so today, I'm not going to have you come to the altar. I'm going to have you stay where you are and uh, instead of one invitation, in a way, I'm going to give five invitations. And this is something very different, very unusual. We don't normally do this. But uh, throughout this sermon, we are going to bow our heads five separate times and make prayer unto God for each step. And I liken it unto like a ladder. So I'm going to give you five prayers to pray 
And we'll pause after each one and we'll make the prayer. We'll pray together. And this way, at the end of the sermon, we should be ready to uh, fill out our faith promise cards and give them, hand them in. But I say again, if at the end of the message you still aren't sure, then that's okay. You hang on to it and maybe by tonight you'll be sure. But if you follow these five prayers here and at home and maybe through the week, if you follow these five prayers, you will know what God has for you to give. So let's start with a word of prayer together. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we ask you now for a very special uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and help us to have ears to hear today and receptive hearts to your word. Lord, we've got um, five prayers we have to cover. Help us to do so in good timing. I pray that every one of us here would set aside thoughts of um, uh, maybe what they'll be doing this afternoon or things at home or at work or set aside every other thought and concentrate, Lord, on what you have for them and help us together. This is a very precious time and we can't afford to make a mistake. And so please help us and bless us to this end. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, uh, when God gets involved with our finances, that's when amazing things happen. God, when he gets involved with anything, that's when amazing things can happen. You know, if you read your Bible in the New Testament, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus went and broke up every funeral he attended. Did you know that? He would raise the dead. Jesus never attended a funeral and gave the last rites and, you know, threw in dust and sand and they buried them and then he walked away. When Jesus attended a funeral, he would raise the dead. Imagine that. When God gets involved with a situation, that's when amazing things happen. And there's no difference. When God gets involved with our finances, that's when unexplainable things begin to happen. Abraham fully followed God and he was sacrificing to God and gave to God. And that's when God got involved with Abraham's finances and Abraham became financially strong. Folks, make no mistake. I am not promising you that if you will give to God that you will be a millionaire by Tuesday. I am not saying any of that nonsense. But I am saying this, that if you honor God in your finances, he will honor you and you will be financially secure. You have his promise. Philippians 4.19 is the promise that God makes to every Christian man, woman, and young person who will Follow God fully and honor God with their finances and God will become your safety net. And all you have to do is just talk to any Christian who has honored God financially over the years and ask them, how many times have you gone bankrupt? How many times have you gone over the cliff? How many times when you, you starved to death because there wasn't enough to eat? And they'll tell you that there's been times things have been tight, but God always miraculously comes through and that they're sitting just fine, thanks very much. Imagine always having gas in your tank. What a wonderful thought as you pass the pumps. Huh? Just think of all the money you'd save. You'd sure need a big tank, or you'd need God doing a miracle. The same thing happened with Jacob. When Jacob started following God fully and honoring God, God did the same for Jacob. Throughout the Bible, we have this principle for everyone who will fully follow God. 
Here in our church, we have plenty of examples in our little church of Christians that have fully followed the Lord and given to God by faith only to see God fulfill his promise and to make them financially secure. Faith promise giving to missions is the way that God gets involved with our finances. And that's when he starts doing some wonderful things on our behalf. Now we talk about the prayer of faith. And this is the foundation upon which we stand. It's not faith in the great unknown. It's faith in God's promises. If you are so blessed to have a copy of the Bible, I want you to hold it and look at it right now. That is the word of God. And the word of God is filled with promises made for you. If you know the Lord is your savior, this is God's love letter to you. And your faith is not in a great unknown. Your faith is in the promises in this book. And so to have faith, you need some place to place your faith. Faith stands upon the word of God. What God has said to be true. Faith says, I believe it. God says this, I believe it. God says that, I believe it. We put our faith, we stand, we rest, we recline upon God's promises. That's what faith promise is all about in the prayer of faith. It's very, very important, folks, that we stay in God's presence throughout the days, especially now that we're seeking to know God's will for what he wants us to give. And so uh, the context here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 is this. The Apostle Paul and others were concerned for the Christians in Jerusalem. The church began kind of in Jerusalem. And it grew to enormous proportions. And then they spread out over the then known world preaching the gospel. Many people got saved. God started the church with the, the early Christians were Jews. Mainly were Jews. And then it spread amongst the Gentiles and they got saved, became part of God's family too. And so there's a tremendous heritage owed to those people. Now they were suffering. They were under persecution. And they were struggling just to live. And so the Lord, what he did was he allowed that. And then he raised up a spirit of giving amongst the churches, particularly in the area of Macedonia, which was the northern part of Greece. That's why Paul says here, verse 1, uh, we, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Alexander the Great was that Grecian guy that took over the then known world. And his headquarters was in the northern Greece area. And they benefited hugely from uh, wealth and money as Alexander the Great conquered kingdoms. A lot of the money came back there to Greece. Well, when Rome conquered uh, Greece, Rome took most of the wealth of, uh, of Greece. They took it to themselves. That's what conquering kings do. And so here, Macedonia, the northern part, and the cities in that northern part would have included Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea as well. And the Christians in those churches were not wealthy, but God laid on their heart to make a, a love offering, to, to give by faith, to help relieve the poverty of the Christians that were in Jerusalem. And Paul and others, Titus being one of them, was involved in trying to help collect this. And in writing to the church at Corinth, uh, Paul makes mention of this. And so the context here is in uh, Christian giving the grace of giving here. And he, he calls it the grace of God bestowed on the 
churches of Macedonia. So there are five prayers that are listed here. And we're going to look at them one at a time. And we're going to uh, pray them. And I'm just going to tell you what the five are right now, right up front, so you know. And then we're going to look at each one. It won't take long to look at each one. Here's the topics. Number one, submission. Number two, willingness. Number three, God's grace. Number four, God's will. And finally, number five, the exact amount. Now, I've shared these truths with our church a couple of years ago. It's time to share them again. As I say, we're going to go through each one. So if you didn't get them all there, you will. Because number one is first pray or the first step on the ladder in order to get to the top, the rung of the ladder, first pray and submit yourself to the Lord. And in chapter eight, verse five, Paul writes, and this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. Now, when he says not as we hoped, it means that the the Christians in the churches of Macedonia went above and beyond what they expected. Paul was expecting this much, but they went ahead and they went much higher. That's what he means when he says, not as we'd hoped. It's not a negative, it's a positive. It's like getting something and it's far more than what you expected to get. That's what he's saying here. And so they exceeded Paul's expectations. He says here in verse 5, look at it again, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. Now, when you give yourself to the Lord, that means to give up, to yield, and to surrender. And this is for sure the very first key to success in the Christian life. Your Christian life will succeed or fail right here. I'm going to repeat that. Your success as a Christian will succeed or it will fail and maybe fail miserably right here. If you fail to yield your life to the Lord, to submit yourself to the Lord, This is not just a commitment. This is something much better. This is an unconditional surrender of control over everything that you have. Now, there's a difference. Here's the difference between a commitment and an unconditional surrender. In a commitment, what you're doing is is you're still in control. When you make a commitment, you still have a hand on it. But in an unconditional surrender of everything then God is in control. You take your hands off it. You give it and take your hands off it. That's an unconditional surrender. Now, many Christians are afraid of that. And the devil is to blame. The devil whispers to them, Oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Oh, you never know. God, you know, he's tricky, tricky. And he'll just come at you and hit you out of the blue. And you will suffer, suffer for years or maybe the rest of your life. Oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Now, the devil is clever. He's very good at trying to get us not to do the right thing. The right thing for you and I is to make an unconditional surrender of our lives to the Lord. He loved us so much that he sent Christ. He gave his best for us. He died for us on the cross. If he did that, do you think he's going to try and trick us? with some clever little wording of a contract? Do you think he's trying to to make us fall? Do you think he's trying to hurt us? Of course not, because he loves us. He's a heavenly father that cares for us so intimately. But this is the first step. And that's why I think a lot of uh, Christians fail right there. 
is they make a commitment, but not an unconditional surrender. And in a commitment, it's like their hand is still on it, and they can always pull it back. But an unconditional surrender, you go before God and you say, here it is, Lord, here's my life and everything that I have, I just surrender it to you. So the success of your ability to please and serve God through your missions giving depends upon this first prayer. And so when we're about to bow for prayer, and you're going to pray in your heart. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray under your breath in your heart. And when you pray, you need to pray humbly and lovingly with surrender to your creator, God. And here's how I suggest that you pray. Your prayer might want to go something like this. Dear Lord, I recognize you to be my creator and the sustainer of all living things in my life. I know that everything I have is only because you've given it to me or you've allowed me to obtain it. And so in recognition of your complete ownership of everything in my life, I humble myself and I submit myself to your lordship from this point on. You are the master. I am the servant. Please take control of my life and use me for your glory. Now, when we, we do this, we're, we're talking about something that we call lordship. We're not talking lordship salvation. That's a theological thing. We're not talking about that. We're talking about recognizing that he is the potter. We are the clay. He is the master. We are the servant. He is the, the owner. We are the purchased possession. That's the kind of lordship we're talking about. And so right now, let's do that. Let's all bow our heads for prayer. This is the first prayer, the first rung on the ladder. And it, you'll make it or break it right here. So please close your eyes. Bow your head. Now for the next minute, the best you know how, make a loving, humble surrender of your life and everything you have to the Lord. Do that now. Heavenly Father, thank you that you're so wise and wonderful. And we do just now recognize and honor you as the creator and the sustainer of all that lives. And we thank you for our lives and everything we have. And we realize it's because we're recipients of your goodness and your love and blessing and all that we have. It's because you've given it to us or allowed us to obtain it. And the best we know how, we surrender now our will to yours. We give to you, Lord, that which only belongs to you, and that's our lives. Father, take our lives, please. We offer them to you and use us as you see fit. We make this first prayer of submission to your Lordship in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that we've done that, we move to the second step up on the ladder. And that's the second prayer. And that's to pray for complete willingness to give. After we've made a surrender, we also now need the Lord to help us with our wills. Because sometimes our wills get out of joint. 
So in chapter 8, uh, sorry, yes, chapter 8 and verse 3, you'll see the words at the end. They were willing themselves. It's true that sometimes we can make a surrender, but still inside we have trouble being willing to do what God wants and to be what he wants. And so these people here in the churches of Macedonia, they were willing. They were not forced. They were willing. No one forced them, pressured them, pushed them, put a gun to their head. They wanted to do this. And that's, that's what God also wants. God loveth a cheerful giver. And that's very important. You see in verse 12, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted. And so the willingness is very important. And really, honestly, I don't think anything is going to happen in your life until you're willing for God to, to do something and willing to get involved, especially like in this special missionary offering. Complete willingness is essential to know what God wants you to give. The first step of submission is necessary. It's the Lordship. And the second step is also equally important. It's the willingness. But in order to get to willingness, you first have to deal with submission. You can't jump the rung. You have to deal with submission and then willingness. So as you make this second prayer, you now understand that what you're doing is you're giving from what already belongs to God. How about that? Everything you have, God has given it to you or allowed you to obtain it. And ultimately he's the owner. And all you're doing is you're giving back to God a portion of what he already owns. You can now understand that everything you have, you have because he's allowed you to have it. Why? So that you can manage it properly. So many people do not manage their wealth or their health or the time of day. They can't manage things. And consequently, their lives are a wreck. Many people are in financial trouble because they couldn't manage their finances. Some, their health is broken because they couldn't manage their health. They couldn't eat right. They couldn't exercise properly. They couldn't get enough sleep. They couldn't manage those things. And so their health is destroyed because of it. God has given you what you have so that you can manage it properly. It's not so easy some days, is it? But it becomes easier when we see it God's way. And it's important for you to know this. You can never outgive God. Now you might think, oh boy, if I give something to God, that's a whole lot. Is it really? Now how many of you have small children? Raise your hand if you have small children. That's a good number. Imagine your little boy, your little girl coming to you and challenging to outgive you. Mom, dad. And so dad, your little boy, little junior, he comes up to you and says, all right, we'll see who can give more. And he reaches in his pocket and he takes out two pieces of bubble gum and a bottle cap. And he uh, takes out a couple of rocks he found on the side of the road. And he reaches into this pocket and he, he, he takes out 73 cents in change and a slingshot and uh, a baseball card. He says, there, top that. Well, dad, do you think you could top it? Probably yes. You could probably reach in your wallet and trump everything he's got. All right, son, here's $100 on the table. We'll start with that. Can you match that? <sighs> Says the boy. 
And here we are thinking we can outgive God. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. With your little bottle caps and the few rocks that you have, you're not going to outgive your Heavenly Father. And God is no man's debtor. He that giveth to the poor lendeth to the Lord, and that which he gave he will give again. And that's also where we have this important verse in Luke 6.38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And so we're going to pray now a second time. This is the second prayer, the second step or rung on the ladder, the second invitation, if you will, and it's complete willingness to give. And maybe you want to pray something like this. Dear Lord, you know I'm human and I I tend to be selfish and I therefore ask you to help me right now to be completely willing to give you whatever you lay on my heart. Whatever you ask me to do, Lord, help me to be willing. Take over my will. Help me. Strengthen me. Make me willing to do what you want me to do. So let's bow our heads right now and close our eyes and let's pray a second time and pray the best you know how. Admit the selfishness and ask God right now to make you completely willing to give back to God anything he lays on your heart. Pray that now. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves again and we recognize that none of us are really that good at giving because we're human and we tend to be a bit selfish. But dear Lord, that's where we need your help. We've given ourselves to you, Lord. We've recognized your Lordship. Now we're asking you to make us willing, willing to do your will, willing to be the one, willing to give whatever you lay on our hearts. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now our third prayer, after we've recognized the Lordship of God in our lives, we've prayed asking him to make us willing. Now the third prayer is to ask God for the grace to be able to give. You can be willing, but not be able, right? Some people are able, but they're not willing. And so, in chapter 8, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do, uh, we do you to wit of the grace of God. That right there. Now, the grace of God essentially is referring to God's wonderful power that he's pleased to pour into our lives. It's not that God begrudgingly gives it and we've got to claw and take it from him. We don't trick him. We don't force him. We don't try to shame him to give us his grace. He wants to give us his grace because he knows how pathetic we often are. And he wants to help us like a loving parent wants to help his or her child. And so God's power and grace is there. I got to tell you this. In our home, we've got our little dog, Charlie. And Charlie's a lovable little idiot. And we've had him for about six years now. And just, you know, we love the fur right off his hide. He's a nice little guy. But he's dumb sometimes. And we're trying to encourage him. And of course, the way you teach the dog new tricks is with these little kibbles, right? That's what 
kibbles are for. And uh, Charlie, he loves kibbles. Well, most dogs, many dogs, I should say, are able to sit up. Charlie doesn't. He kind of sits uh, wonky, kind of on his hip a little bit. And so we're trying to teach him how to sit up. Now, the funny thing is, we got the kibbles right there. He knows it. But we try and help him to sit up. And as we're helping him to sit up, he's growling at me. And he doesn't realize that I'm trying to help him learn something new and I'm going to feed him kibbles. Well, um, we've been working on this one for several weeks now. And he was growling at me every time I try and hold him up. Well, now when I tell him, do you want to sit up? Do you want to sit up? Now he's wagging his tail. He still has to come and lean against me because he still sits a little wonky. But now I can slowly get him all the way up. No growl out of him because he knows what's coming. And I stuff him full of kibbles and he likes that. Did you know that God is wanting to do great things for us with his power? Sometimes we growl at God. What are you doing? What are you doing? But God knows what he's doing. He's trying to help us and teach us new abilities. And then he rewards us too. So if you don't mind that homely little illustration of Charlie, here what we need, you and I, we need the ability to be able to give. We need to surrender. We need to be made willing. And we need the ability. And that's where the grace of God comes in. So this divine influence or power, if you will, over our hearts and over our resources and over our abilities and the working out of that power in our lives. That's what we're talking about. Submission to God and willingness to God without the power of God will result in frustration and failure. And that's why sometimes we fail as Christians because we don't have that power, that grace we need. We're not asking for it. We need to ask for it. And so we're going to do that now. Your prayer should be something like, Dear Lord God, please bestow your grace, your divine power, influence on my heart. Make me not just willing, but make me able to give. Take away my selfishness. Give me the power to be able to give whatever you lay on my heart. Lord, give me your your grace on my resources, on my ability to give a, um, a, we'll use the word liberal, a, a bountiful, a liberal faith promise missions offering and to be able to fulfill that for the next 12 months. And so understand what we mean here by liberal. A liberal amount is going to be different for everyone here in this uh, room today. And I'll show that to you in verse 15. As it is written, he that had gathered much, so there's someone that has a whole lot, had nothing left over. He that had gathered little, there's someone that just has a little, had no lack. So you have two, two classes here, those that have a whole lot and those that have very little. A liberal amount for the guy with very little is going to be different than a liberal amount for the guy that has a whole lot. Do you see the difference? So don't look at someone and say, oh, he gave a nickel. That should be enough. I'll give a nickel. Maybe God wants you to give two nickels. Now, it's just a little cheap humor there, but you get what I'm saying. Don't look at others. Look to the Lord and see what God wants you to do. So that's important. So at this point, let's do that. And let's bow our heads right now and pray and ask God for the grace to make us able to give. So do that right now. Ask God to bestow his grace, his divine power upon your heart so that you are now able to give what he wants.
Dear loving Heavenly Father, forgive us for being so forgetful and so slow of understanding that that we don't realize how much you want to do on our behalf. And that wonderful power that's yours, all the power, all of it. And you want to start pouring that power into our lives. You want to do wonderful things in us and through us like you did to Abraham and, and to Isaac and Jacob and many, many, many others. And Lord, forgive us for having lack of faith. Thank you for allowing us to submit ourselves to you. Thank you, Lord, for making us willing. But now, Lord, bestow upon us the power and make us able to give that which you lay upon our heart. And maybe the amount, we won't understand how we can give it because it might seem a bit too much. And that's where faith comes in. And Lord, that's where your power comes in. Because whatever you tell us to give, you make no mistake. And whatever that amount is, you'll make sure that there's power to be able to give that amount. And so we'll thank you to answer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come up three of the five rungs on the ladder. And the last two will come quickly. The fourth prayer to pray is for God's will. Now that you have submission and you are willing and you're asking God to make you able, now the fourth step is to just ask the Lord to have his own way. And you'll see that here in verse 5. And at the end here, it says, they gave them ourselves, first gave of their own selves to the Lord and unto us. Now look at this, by the will of God. And this is the fourth principle of prayer. And by the way, if you remember back when the Lord Jesus was on earth, before he was crucified, he was in the garden and he prayed. And if you remember, he prayed to something like, Lord, if it be possible, remove this cup from me. You remember that? But then he prayed something very, very important. And it's a principle that we need to apply right here now. He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Do you remember that? Yes? Remember that? That's extremely important prayer to pray. Lord, not my will, your will. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. That's God's way. God's will. This is something that I've learned the hard way in my Christian life. And you know, sometimes I still don't fully have it down yet. That God's ways are actually better than my ways. That God is actually smarter than me. Sometimes I'm still a little bit Johnny-come-lately or slow to the table to wake up and smell a coffee and realize God knew best all along. And God makes that very clear in the scriptures. In Isaiah 55, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, my way, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Listen, he says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth. So that's pretty high, isn't it? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Did you know the Bible says that even the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men? Did you know that? God is so infinitely smarter. He's so much better. That's why we need to acknowledge his will. That's why this is the fourth step. After we've submitted, after we've asked God to make us willing, after we've asked God to empower us, make us able. Now we simply ask the Lord, have thine own way, Lord. What is 
What is your will? Accomplish your perfect will in, in my life here. And God's ways are always better than our ways. And so we're asking God to accomplish his will through us. That's what we're going to do. We're going to bow our heads and we're going to ask God to accomplish his will in this matter of faith promise. Now you might want to pray something like this. Dear Lord God, please overrule my ways. Overrule my will. Please accomplish your ways, your will through my life this year in the missions conference. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Close our eyes and pray now the best you can and ask God to accomplish his will in your life. Dear Heavenly Father, once more we acknowledge that you are so much smarter, wiser, you know so much more, and your ways are so much better. We ask you, Lord, to accomplish your perfect will in our hearts and lives and in our church as it regards faith promise and getting the gospel around the world. We just don't know how to do it, Father, do we? But you do. So that's why we're asking you and praying to you Specifically, Lord, thy will be done. Thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, brothers and sisters, we're ready now to properly ask God to show us the exact amount. We come to the fifth rung on the ladder, to the top step here. The fifth prayer is to pray and ask God for the exact amount what he wants us to give. The exact amount, be it weekly that's how I do it. My wife and I, we give weekly. We like that because it just seems every time we come into the house of the Lord, we have something to give to God. Uh, others do it monthly, and that's fine. Some even do it yearly. So whether it be weekly, monthly, or yearly, you want to ask God for the exact amount that he wants you to give. Now, when you've properly made the first four prayers then it's just a matter of continually asking God until you know for sure the exact amount. And you ask God for as many times as it takes. As I mentioned, some of you are all set and ready. You've been praying about this all week and God has already shown you. For others, perhaps just now, you're beginning to get the idea of what God wants you to give to him over the next 12 months in order for you to do your part to help support missionaries and missions throughout the year. Remember Matthew 7, verse 7. Jesus said, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So we're about to bow our heads for the fifth time. Imagine praying five times during a sermon. And a simple prayer you might want to pray. Dear Lord, I have submitted myself to you. I have asked you to make me willing. I have prayed and asked you to make me able to give whatever you lay on my heart. Lord, I have asked you to have your own way, to do whatever you want. And now, Lord, you show me the exact amount what you want me to give you to help support the gospel for the next 12 months. Let's bow our heads now and let's pray.
and you pray the best you know how and ask God for the exact amount.